Late Night Conversations Late Night Conversations Monday to Thursday 10pm till midnight Late Night Conversations I'd like to welcome uh, Shadrach uh, Chikure who is the professor and the head of department of archaeology at the University of Cape Town and uh, I hear from a little birdie that uh, we are talking to you all the way in Oxford in London a very warm welcome to you professor uh, good evening. How are you today? Excellent, thank you. Uh, although we are still grappling with the pandemic uh, COVID-19. Uh, yes, uh, by now I think it's now part of us. So maybe the best is to just, uh, how can we live with this invisible enemy? It's so very true. Now, you know, uh, Professor, data that was collected uh, by archaeologists showed that um, in indigenous uh, African systems, we were able, ancient times and our ancient societies, to deal with the shock of illnesses and pandemics. And and can you please just take us through some of the research that went in history that archaeologists did, particularly when it comes to pandemics? So um, archaeologists uh, basically deal with uh, the uh, human experience, um, what happened uh, in the in the long ago. So um, they used a number of techniques. They also work like historians, uh, but equally they also um, look at the kinds of things that people were using and then and, and abandoned, and also our homesteads. Uh, sometimes they look at the at, at, at burials, uh, the way in which people were buried, and, and, and so on. So with this um, background, then, um, what you can see is that um, if we go into our own um, tradition uh, as, 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 as Africans, um, in the 17th century, 18th century, um, all traditions, they talk of, you know, there being, you know, pandemics, um, there being uh, these diseases that killed uh, of some groups. And how, uh, in some cases, so for example, in uh, a place known as Buhera in uh, southern Zimbabwe at the moment, um, there is this hill which is known uh, in local uh, history, in local legions, as being the place where there was a pandemic that finished uh, people around the 17th century. So if we then go back um, into the past, which is now into the deep past, which is now the domain of archaeologists, where archaeologists look at abandoned settlements, they look at the patterning in terms of burials and so on, we can then go to uh, this place, um, which is uh, in the northernmost uh, part of uh, South Africa, um, in the current day Mapungubwe uh, National Park and, and the World Heritage Site. The name of the place is uh, Bambazianalo OK2. What has happened is that the, uh, beginning in the 1930s or thereabouts, archaeologists um, excavating there, they found uh, a very uh, unusually high number of uh, burials of children, so zero to four years, um, in terms of in terms of age. But then, what also um, is coming uh, out of that um, 
example is that the settlement was uh, abruptly abandoned and then uh, moved on to uh, to Mapungubwe Hill. So never to be never to be reoccupied again. And 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 and, and so part of the thinking then is that he, um, are we not talking of these um, invisible enemies? Let's think of those days when the lockdown just started. That some people were talking of um, observing penguins walking in um, uh, on the streets in Cape Town. You know, everything is so is so quiet. That's mm. what happens when you uh, abandon a place. And there are many other examples. For example, in uh, in West Africa, um, our colleagues uh, working there. They have excavated settlements uh, that coincide with uh, the effects of the uh, Black Death. So the Black Death um, was at least a pandemic that resulted in um, a huge loss of life in um, England, in Italy, as well as uh, outside of Europe in, in Asia. But uh, previously, its um, effect on the African uh, continent uh, had not been you know, considered in detail because uh, not many uh, people were uh, doing that research. But uh, over the past five, ten years, the picture that he's imagining in uh, archaeology is that there are settlements in places such as modern-day Ghana, Burkina Faso, um, and adjacent regions that um, appear to have been abruptly abandoned at the same time as the, uh, as the Black Death. Um, so with more research, uh, the evidence is becoming more stronger and stronger that, oh, okay, this black death, which people thought did not affect uh, Africa, actually, um, here is uh, an example of uh, a region uh, in West Africa, Ghana, Burkina Faso, as I mentioned, where uh, people abandoned their settlements never to come back again. So those are some of the things that we uh, that we look into. Just to uh, recap by saying that um, if we were to work backwards in time, starting from the 19th century, going backwards, in our own traditions, we have uh, examples of pandemics and diseases and how people were dealing with. So pandemics that could affect people and pandemics that could uh, affect uh, animals. So, for example, that um, pandemic that wiped uh, cattle in uh, 1895, 1896, in the region such as Northern South Africa, Southern Zimbabwe, and so on. And also pandemics such as, you know, the COVID we have now, which is affecting people, and and, and then the Black Death that also affected uh, people. So the evidence that we then have is that people build uh, resilience. They develop strategies. Before we go into the evidence, Professor Chikuru? Okay. Uh, Professor Chirukure, before we go into the evidence, I, I think it would be befitting for us uh, to actually go back a step. Um, you speak of uh, the Black Death, and then there's also the Spanish flu, which is very similar to what we're experiencing right now with the COVID-19. And you've also made mention of what happened in uh, the K2 region, which is part of uh, the Mapungube World Heritage Site in Limpopo Valley. What I'd like you to tell us now is when archaeologists did this particular research, the only mention that you've made for us is the fact that they, they saw some remains of buildings. What else was there to suggest that a pandemic like the Black Death or even Spanish flu 
was existent in Africa at that time. So that we can go into the, this evidence with an understanding that archaeologists were able to marry what they found, whether it be it bones, burial sites, the death of animals, relocations, and marry them with the diseases at hand. So one, one, one of the things that I uh, alluded to earlier on was that um, this, uh, image, this field in terms of, you know, studying pandemics uh, is uh, an emerging field. But I, I will go back again uh, to a place uh, such, as, uh, such as K2, where you find the burials, um, 96 uh, of them, which are children of uh, the age uh, zero to four, zero to four years. And then, of course, there are one or two, yeah, I think maybe five um, of, 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 of elders. And then um, elsewhere, uh, where archaeologists have done a lot of work uh, in the um, in the Mapungugwe National Park, as it is broadly defined. So they've done quite a lot of work beginning in the 1930s, as I said. But no other place uh, has yielded that... Um, huge concentration of, um, of, of, of burials. So uh, whatever way you look at it, uh, K2 stands out. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is unique. So there has to be, there has to be um, uh, a massive, 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 massive trigger, which is forcing people to deviate from normality. All right. I've got a caller here on the line, Professor, and I'd like us to welcome them. Remember, if you'd like to weigh in on the conversation, you may do so by calling us on 011-714-4045 or 011-714-2788. The alternative number is 891 or WhatsApp us on 614 We are speaking to Professor Shedrag Chikure, who is the professor at the University of Cape Town and also the head of the the Department of Archaeology. We are talking, can African societies take or lend from what happened in terms of the research found by archaeologists in past pandemics such as the Black Death or the Spanish flu? On the line, we've got Errol in Durban. Errol, thank you very much for holding patiently. How are you this evening? Errol, thank you for holding. How are you this evening? No, I'm fine. Fine, Excellent. Excellent, Errol. Can I give my two cents worth? Go ahead. Um, you know, we've reached a stage now in the um, epidemic where um, we must heed John Kennedy's words. Remember, he said, it's not what my country can do for me. It's what I, what I can do for my country. Um, you know, the government has bent over backwards to help us. They have done their best. But I think it's up to every individual now to play his part too. I'm talking about social a distance and washing your hands and wearing masks. I mean, if we don't play our part, this virus just won't just won't go away. And uh, yeah, I don't know. During the the 1918 Black Death or what, what you know, the 1918 flu, I don't think they had that sort of advice. Mm. What they the governments are giving us now. Now, um, yeah, go ahead, Errol. Yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think of uh, what I said? Do you agree with me? Look, Errol, I do definitely agree with you. Even the president in his uh, speech said it's it, it's in our hands. It's up to us as South Africans to now take up the baton. Education has been done. But um, where do you think that uh, maybe our history um, could play a, a, a role in assisting us right now where we are? Because it's not the first pandemic that the world has faced. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, as I say, the government have bent over backwards to help us. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing more they can do, I think. They caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. They cried out to save lives or save the economy. And um, as my dad used to say, my late dad said, you can always make up money, but you can't make up a life. So, you know, maybe they should just extend the lockdown a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't know. It's, but Errol, I mean, you've you've heard that we are moving to stage three of the lockdown. A lot of um, things are going to be eased, like the curfews and uh, social gatherings, such as churches and so on. Uh, do you think those might oppose a, a, a possible threat for us to possibly see the pandemic spreading more? Yeah, it's not. It's, you know, you've, it's a good question you've got there. But um, I really don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Errol, I definitely hear your sentiment and I agree with you. It is up to each and every one of us as individuals. Every to, one of us, exactly. Yeah, to, to do what's right, uh, flatten the curve, stay safe. Thank you so very much, Errol. Okay, thanks, man. That was Errol in Durban. And uh, if you'd like to also weigh in on the conversation, remember that number is 011-714-4045 or 011-714-2788. Professor Chikuru is our guest and uh, he is uh, the professor and head of the Department of Archaeology at the University of Cape Town. He's uh, actually joining us all the way from London. Um, that's where he's currently stationed. We are speaking, can archaeology and the research that came from it be able to help our modern day society with the past experiences. Now, uh, Professor Chikuru, uh, you heard, Ch- Chirikure, Professor Chirikure, you heard what uh, Errol was saying, and he says it's up to us. D- does archaeology also see the same sentiment uh, happening back in, in history, that it was up to every individual to get things done um, when it comes to pandemics, or was it a, a collective indiv- um, uh, effort? So, um if 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 we go back into uh ubuntu so way um in terms of uh africans it's more about the coll- the collective it's uh, a communitarian um a- approach to approach to life so in that case yes it was everyone else as a responsibility but then uh, this um collectivism Communitarianism: um, a person is a person because of because of others. Which means, uh, if you are you know alone, um, you are not you are not you are not you are, you are not a group. What this is um, highlighting is that um, people identified um, first and foremost with uh, with the group. So the strategies then that people were are making were uh, designed to ensure that um, you know people are. Uh, benefit. So in, a, in as much as it is our individual responsibility and so on, who looks after the vulnerable? Who looks after those that need, um, that need help? And, 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 and there is uh, evidence in, in, in quite a, a number of uh, African um, uh, societies that uh, communities were designed in a way that, you know, you could help the, the elders, you can help, you know, we using um, a modern day metaphor when uh, you know you are a black a professional, you would understand when people talk of black tax. Why? Well, what does black tax mean? Is is that communitarian? Is that Ubuntu way of, um, of of living? Which means that yes, it's our individual responsibility, but we also are part of the collective. And whatever we do, we must also think of um, the disadvantaged and those um, that might also need our our help.
Now, uh, Professor, when we are looking at some of the African examples, so Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Ghana, and South Africa, four of the countries that archaeologists have gone into and uh, extracted some examples, let's talk about what was found. So, to to bring to light the fact that pandemics were in our midst back in the day and this is how they were dealt with. Maybe we as modern society should take a leaf from them. Was it a burial sites that were too many and too plentiful or was it relocations? And how did uh, those communities in those particular areas deal with uh, the pandemics when they, they um, rose up? So it's it's uh, one of the things that I have to say um, is that uh, archaeologists deal with fragments of the of what happened in the past. So we have bits and pieces that are surviving, you know, from a thousand years, from two thousand years, and so on. So what we then do is that we combine those uh, bits and pieces uh, to uh, to tell a story. So as I mentioned earlier on. Um, uh, at K2 Bambat Ganalo Hill in South Africa, we have this unusually high number of uh, burials of uh, children uh, of more or less the same age group, zero to four years, right? And then uh, if we go to West Africa, the example that we have uh, there uh, coinciding with the with, with the black, because um, K2, we are talking of uh, between uh, 1,000 and at 1280. So we're talking of uh, yeah, just over a thousand years uh, ago. But um, when we move to uh, West Africa, Ghana, we are talking of um, um, the uh, 13, um, 1800. So we're in the, we're in the 14th century. There, there are these towns, uh, such as in areas such as the Birim Valley, uh, Akrokoa, and, and, and others. They are urban settlements. So people are living there. Archaeologists have dug there and realized that, oh, people were living a very stable um, way of life, uh, doing normal daily activities. How do we know that? People clean their houses, they throw rubbish, and so on, and that rubbish accumulates. So that is one of the pieces of evidence that archaeologists use. But then, um, around the time of the Black Death, uh, these urban areas uh, in West Africa, they are abandoned abruptly, never to be reoccupied um, again. So that's 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 um, archaeologists working in that uh, part of the world. Monica Green, um, Gerard Cho, and 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 others. Um, they were able to uh, make uh, this link between um, the effects of the uh, Black Death and uh, the abandonment of um, of the settlement. So moving to another place, which is the, uh, Zimbabwe, where we are lucky in that, again, we have um, oral tradition. That say, you know, at this point in time, there were diseases. I mentioned that pandemic which wiped the cattle in the 1890s. But let's think about a place such as Great Zimbabwe, which is quite world-famous, well-known. Archaeologists have never... Um, recovered any burial from Great Zimbabwe. Uh, I don't believe that the people who were living there did not die. So, but is that the effect of a pandemic where people just abandoned and, 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 and moved on? <laughs> that, is, that is one of the big questions uh, which archaeologists, you know, um, are grappling to try and, 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 and address. 
but also uh, one of the things that I need to uh, have said uh, earlier on is that sometimes archaeologists also uh, study, you know, the, the DNA. Uh, they also study the bacteria attached to um, human teeth, and uh, that also um, reveals uh, some information in terms of uh, the, the history of diseases and how uh, those diseases affected their population. But in Africa, those studies are not um, are not yet uh, popular. But in uh, let's say some of those bigger uh, burials associated with the uh, Black Death in England. So there's one in London which had about 600 um, uh, individuals. They have been able to use uh, DNA to uh, to, to make uh, these uh, connections. So again, it's a question of um, joining bits and pieces to uh, make uh, the story uh, a lot more, a lot more clearer. Let's go to the lines and uh, um, allow our listeners to weigh in on our conversation. You can get us on uh, 011-714-4045, or 011-714-2788, or 0891-104-207. SAFM Late Night Conversations, Nwanda NPE. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you this evening? Patricia, good. Excellent. You played a song by Commodore Ceylon. I thought yesterday you should have played by Commodore's Jesus Love to that program of lesbians. Anyway, today... <laughs> I love your comments. They're so... They're like you take me back to history. But today we're speaking um, yes, archaeology yes, yes, and yes. Uh, pandemics. Yeah. What I want to find out from the Lemon Professor would be the similarity or difference between paleontologist and archaeologist. As I understand, Philip Tobias was one of the latest scholars in paleontology. Secondly, somewhere in Cape Town, in Rock Island, there are graves there of the people who died inland and were buried in Rock Island so that they could not contaminate or the, or the disease, like a the disease, was viewed to be contagious. So the regime then, whatever it was, of the colonialists, they didn't want them to, to, to be contagious to other people. And what I want to find out from the Minister of Russia is what disease was that? And in terms of DNA, um, which was discovered by Crick in 1953, was perhaps a study Thank you very much, Patricia. Thank you very much, Ngonde. Uh, Professor uh, Chirikure, um, could you respond there to uh, Ngonde? The first question was, what's the difference between archaeology and uh, pariology? So, so, so that one is pretty much, is pretty much easy to... Uh, so uh, the difference basically relates to, um, in simple terms, uh, to time depth. Uh, paleontologists mostly deal with, uh, with fossils. And uh, fossils uh, are things that lived uh, a long time ago, but then uh, transformed uh, through um, geological processes into 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 um, into intense in, into in, into rocks. So fossils, we are talking of things that happened uh, thousands, if not um, millions, of years ago. So Felix Tobias, whom uh, he mentioned. Uh, an anatomist based uh, at the University of the Witwatersrand was uh, heavily involved uh, with um, research into uh, the origins of humanity. So 
is work at Stekfontein, uh, Krumdrai, and then and those other places dealing with those um, uh, hominids that existed millions of years ago. So that's paleontology. Archaeology, we are talking of uh, um, studying human culture um, using the uh, remains that uh, people were that, that people were using. So that's much much younger in terms of uh, time period. So that's that's an easy uh, separator between paleontology and um, and archaeology. So not surprisingly, then paleontology in most cases um, is allied with zoology. It's also aligned with um, with geology because those are also historical disciplines that have got that deal with uh, a great uh, time depth. Yes, the issue of Robben Island uh, being um, a place for isolation and a place for uh, social distancing. Um, that is actually one of the one of those examples that are closer to that are closer to home. And uh, Robben Island was uh, used uh, as a as a leper colony, and that disease was uh, was leprosy. So people who would, uh, have been um, uh, infected by leprosy, they were quarantined, uh, quarantined on on on, on Robben Island. So and and so that would also create the um, the distance between the mainland and um, and the island. So which is why when we look into and we are talking of the um, 1700s and and and, and 1800s are here. So that's why, uh, as archaeologists, we are saying, look, uh, these strategies such as social distancing, isolation, and so on, we have always been doing them. And, and, and the, the example of Robben Island is is is, is another one. At uh, this time, um, in the in the case, but there are also other examples across the the breadth and width of the uh, African continent. Let's take a bit of a breather and we'll be back with uh, Professor Shadrach Chirikure, who is uh, the Professor um, of Archaeology and also the Head of uh, the Department of Archaeology at the University of Cape Town. We are talking um, ancient uh, African societies, how they managed pandemics and how we can learn from them to manage the current pandemic we are facing of COVID-19. Can we marry the two? Are there lessons we can learn? Well, let's find out from the uh, professor. And also, if you would like to weigh in on the conversation, give us your viewpoint, give us your um, understanding of where we are right now. You can get us by sending us a WhatsApp on 0614104107 or call us on 011-714-4045 or 011-714-2788, alternatively 0 891 We are also on social media platforms at SAFM Radio at Patricia N. Nduli. This is the Late Night Conversations on SAFM. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight.
In case you've just tuned in, this is the Late Night Conversations on SAFM and my name is Patricia Ntuli. We are currently speaking. Can archaeology um, assist us to take uh, some lessons from ancient African societies that manage pandemics in Africa? Well, uh, we are speaking to Professor Shadrach Chirikure, who is uh, the professor uh, and head of Department of Archaeology at the University of Cape Town. And on the line right now, we've got KGM in Johannesburg. Thank you very much for holding for us. Pat, uh, um, first time caller in your show. <laughs> Welcome, and I'm <laughs> grateful that you've called in. How are you doing, KGM? Very well, thank you. And good evening to, to the professor. Uh, Hi, how are you today? Very, very well, Prof. Uh, prof, I, I, I am one of those people who are called Abba Twa. Uh, mm-hmm. Some call us Basarwa, uh, some call us Bushmen. We are said to be one of those very few global indigenous communities that still do things in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. Now, two weeks ago, I was I was home. Home now, uh, because of the geographical location, is what is now called Trans Kalahadi, Trans Frontier Park between Botswana, South Africa, and Namibia. Mm-hmm. Now the world is is at the frenzy of COVID nineteen. I didn't see one government official. I didn't see anybody. I saw life going on as usual, as I know it at home. We mingle. We do things that we do the way we do them. We mingle with animals ourselves and so forth. Now, going back to to maybe a clarity from you, how do you think or how would you know that the people like ourselves, you can include the Red Indians and many other communities like ours across the world, how do we fend, how do we survive, how do we make it beyond or across uh, things like pandemics. As you articulated, there's been quite a number of them. But we are here, and we, we are not using sanitizers, we are not using masks, and so forth. What, what is it that is different with us? Prof, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Pat. Thank you very much, KGM, and uh, we look forward to engaging with you again. Beautiful question. Professor, maybe you could respond to that. Yeah, no, no, that's, uh, that is a very interesting, a very interesting question. Uh, just to, uh, say that, uh, you know, one should also be mindful in terms of using, uh, these, uh, these categories. So, for example, you know, uh, the names Bushmen and then, then Vasarwa and so on, uh, being disrespectful, you know, um, names. And going back to the time of colonialism where people, you know, creating, you know, divide and rule us and them and so on. But he, speaking to the, uh, to the question uh, that, uh, that he asked, uh, they are human beings and human beings have always made a, made a plan. So contrary to what we read in the colonial archive where the Bushmen people are seen as backward, you know, um, they are not, they are not advanced and so on. But we know that they were, they are people and they also 
had um, their own strategies. So, for example, in terms of uh, the number of groups, uh, I was I was also quite um, um, interested. I was hoping the caller would also say when he said uh, we mingle with animals, we mingle with ourselves. There is also something that he um, speaks to the to group size. You know, in most in my own uh, experience um, of uh, coming across. Um, the uh, communities uh, that uh, he described as Vasarwa, as, 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 as uh, the groups are not as, the, as big. So we are not talking of groups having, you know, 200 people, 100 people in, in, in one place. So in some cases, 100 was perhaps at the, the maximum, or you have uh, 50. So with uh, then small groups and then and, and so on, it's like an inbuilt mechanism of, uh, of isolation. But there was also coherence in terms of um, people uh, cooperating and collaborating uh, to do um, to perform tasks. So that knowledge you can that knowledge which people uh, have or which is sometimes um, packaged as uh, indigenous knowledge uh, system. So it's just like those are the same groups of people that talk towards the world that there is that plant called uh, called Hudia. Which is so Hudia is 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 something which these communities have interacted with, and they say to the world, "Hey, this can suppress uh, this can suppress uh, appetite." So the the thing is that he, in as much as these people or history has not been very kind with um, these people to say that uh, you know they are backward, they are this and that. They have knowledge within themselves, which uh, is the point that archaeologists are making to say, look, wherever you are, there is some knowledge which people have been using through time. Can we try and uh, salvage some of it and use it today to try and help us, as he said, very far away from town and so on? So how do you survive? You have to make way with what is locally available. I suppose uh, you, you're also bringing us to light with the fact that uh, the fact that we have been colonized or we are now more Western in the way we live with using hand sanitizers and soap and so on and so forth, African history and African societies always did practice some ways and means to keep themselves healthy and uh, away from uh, uh, pandemics or else there wouldn't be societies left within the African continent. Precisely, and, and, and societies with, with those very rich uh, traditions of science, very rich uh, traditions of engineering, think of all those goodies coming out of uh, Mapungube Hill. Think of all those things, you know, how did they build the, those uh, Squana towns if you go to Zira and, 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 you know, and then places like the like, go to the free state. There is evidence that uh, they were people who were surviving on the on, on the landscape. But then, when you are colonized, and when your means of livelihood, when your thought process even uh, is interrupted and hijacked, what do you do? Well, we are very grateful for archaeologists who are able to bring up the light of what we as Africans and our societies have been doing to um, hold ourselves in the midst of pandemics and mayhem. We are speaking to Professor Shadrach Chirikure, who is the professor and the head of department of archaeology at the University of Cape Town. If you'd like to join us, you can call on 011-714-4045 or 011-714-2788. Our WhatsApp number 0614.
0614-104-107. After this, we'll come to your WhatsApp and some of the calls that we have holding. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. SFM leading the late night conversations with me, Patricia Nduli, and we are speaking. Can archaeology give us a means of uh, learning from ancient African history and societies on how to manage pandemics that did occur, like uh, the Black Death and the Spanish Fly in Africa? What is it that we can learn from our societies? And this is very um, important in the backdrop of Africa Day. I'd like to go to our WhatsApp messages from Tato in a Bloemfontein. Tato says, I think um, it's uh, too early for the country to go to level three. We cannot uh, feel safe. The lives, we cannot save the lives, but surely we can uh, save the economy. Our rights will kill a lot of people. Ish, I think we will be like Italy if we exercise our rights over our lives. Another WhatsApp comes from Prince, and Prince says, I agree that cases will rise 100%, and it's not like a lack of awareness, but ignor- ignoring the fact that it is. It, it can't catch me. I have seen many, like seven out of ten, having their masks under their chin, including law enforcement or uh, driving around the uh, colonics and masks around their chins. Even few people who are trying their best to prevent it, they are going to face big challenges because the carriers will be more. I am Prince and I am scared. And that's how he closes it off. And then uh, moving on, uh, we have another one saying Africans lived in groups of small tribes or clans and we were nomadic. It was not easy to mix ourselves with a lot of tribes or clans as it is today. The last uh, WhatsApp that I'm going to look at before we go to the calls, social distancing must have been uh, back then, like people with leprosy were isolated amongst Semitic people. So these are some of the the lessons that we are learning. And uh, let's go to Donald in Rustenburg. Donald, thank you very much for holding so patiently. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. How are you? I'm I'm good. Professor Chirigure Magadigo. I just want to know uh, about me. I'm from Masingo in Zimbabwe. Great Zimbabwe. They were great Zimbabwe win. I think there was another purpose apart from being a rose empire or their site. I think there was those ruins. What were the purpose? Can you shed more light? And the Mabuaziva. That's kind of matopos you use. Uh, the what were happening there? I think there was another purpose other than that being the size or initiate more light. Thank you very much, Donald. Uh, let's uh, allow the professor to shed light after this. Ngalanga from Durban, thank you very much for holding. How are you doing this evening? Mampemba, Ben, Prof, and the listeners, how are you? We are blessed. How are you doing, Galang? Good evening. Yes, uh, Prof, uh, in fact, it's uh, KGM who got me thinking uh, that uh, uh, it's interesting that uh, he said uh, they mainly normally as if nothing is happening. And I wanted to check with you that uh, maybe... 
after uh, the dust has settled in terms of uh, uh, COVID-19, is it possible uh, for scientists to uh, retrospectively look at the genetics, uh, phylogenetically, as well as using evolution and natural selection as the means at which who will at which those who will survive COVID-19, will it be because of their genes or is it by chance or what? Thank you very much, Nkalanga. A professor will respond. Uh, so, Professor, you've got two questions. Perhaps let's start with a Donald's question uh, regarding the ruins in Zimbabwe. Uh, yes, uh, Great Zimbabwe was the a normal um, settlement, a common settlement. Um, archaeologists, given its size, archaeologists believe that he, um, it was um, a city. It was uh, it was a town, which also had um, a vibrant uh, production uh, economy. It also had um, linkages with um, trade, uh, with uh, places like. Um, Swahili towns such as uh, Kirwa, as well as uh, Featherfield, uh, in uh, places such as uh, such as India. But uh, as I mentioned, um, Great Zimbabwe is uh, an uh, enigma, uh, or one of those difficult ones for archaeologists, in the sense that, unlike Mapungubu Hill, for example, where archaeologists have recovered burials and so on, uh, to date, as far as I know, uh, no one has uh, recovered burials uh, that they can confirm that these go with the Great Zimbabwe. So where did the people go? Did they just build and then go on and move into another one? Or there was also a pandemic that forced people to uh, just uh, migrate en masse? Or that uh, the burials are there, but people have simply not, um, not found them. But one of those classic examples of, you know, um, African achievement in science, in mathematics, um, civil engineering. Think about uh, those um, those walls, um, quite uh, very high. So, for example, the uh, outer curtain wall of the Great Enclosure, which um, at its highest is um, 11 meters high and two meters uh, wide. So that's 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 quite a massive, massive, massive engineering, and and and, and, and so on. And also one of the things that he, uh, one could mention is that he, archaeologists that study the use of plants by past communities, they also recover like charcoal seeds and so on. Some of which come from a medicinal plant. So people know that he, they were using uh, some of these uh, trees. Uh, to cure some um, some ailments, uh, the matopoci that's now more of um, more of it. Okay, I think there's something that uh, went wrong with technology there. A bit of the line, uh, Benzito is going to try and get hold of the professor. Uh, while we do that, let's go to a voice note. Hi, Mampele and the Prof. Uh, why is this rich history? not uh, given to students in primary school and high school because it's so rich and then we're not aware. Like myself, I wasn't aware. It's interesting history. I love history and I'm passionate about it, but this is my first time to hear about this 
uh, story what uh, the professor is saying because uh, we we always been learning about Jan van Riebeck, Jan van Riebeck. Very important question there. Well, it's time for the news. Uh, let's go to Zulukat Kodashe.